Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host, and today we are doing part three in what I'm hoping is a life-changing series of podcasts. We have been talking about quantum questions for life and love, and if you've listened to parts one and two, you know the basic premise here is that I believe there are certain questions that if we sit with them, if we, if we meditate on them, the wisdom that they can provide can bring about a quantum leap in our lives. They can catapult us into a deeper dimension of living and loving. Okay? So our first question was, what's here now? And I won't rehash much because there's a whole podcast for that one. But the question, what's here now, brings us into the present moment and gets us in touch with our inarguable and authentic reality. It gives us access to what's really true within us. And when we are equipped with that kind of self-awareness, we are then able to relate authentically with another person because we have our authentic reality to share with them to reveal to them. We cannot have an authentic relationship if we're living in our heads where we are in the future worrying, um, you know, trying to figure out the future or if we're living in the past, you know, rehashing things, reliving things and all that. We can only have an authentic relationship when we we know what's what's real, what's true, right here with me and then I can share that with you and we're able to relate to each other in reality rather than we're rating, relating to each other from the past or the future, from our stories, from our beliefs, from our interpretations, right? A real healthy relationship is because it's authentic and authenticity is what's What's your true state right now? What, what's here now? Right? So that was an important one. And then the second one was, what am I feeling? And we talked about just briefly there that it might seem like an easy question, but because we, most of us have repressed certain feelings or disowned certain feelings because they were not allowed in our childhoods or we got rejected for them or judged for them or dismissed or ignored that we often don't have access to the full range of feelings and we can really misinterpret what we feel. We can be stuck with a feeling like anger because we've disowned sadness or fear or we can express only sadness because We've disowned anger 
because that wasn't allowed when we were young. So this whole issue of knowing what you really feel allows you to have the, the full experience of being human, you know, to, to like play a piano and, and be able to use all the keys on the piano and make beautiful music. But most of us, we don't even know that we don't have access to all the keys. We only have access to a couple of them because we've been raised and conditioned to hide certain feelings. We have shame around them. They're not okay to feel that. It's not okay to express that. And so we become very narrow as people. And so this question of what do I feel, what do I really feel, is deeper than you might think. But again, as you sit with these questions and just ask yourself, what do I feel? What do I really feel? What's underneath the feeling that is on the surface? Right? When you do that, when you sit with what's here now, what's real? What is, what's my unarguable truth? These kinds of things open up insights and awarenesses and produce quantum leaps in the way you experience life and love. And now we're coming to number three. And I guess, I guess I'll just come out with the question. I'm tempted to describe something first and then ask you the question, but let's just get it right out there. Here's the question. Why don't I feel good? Why don't I feel good? Now, I'm not saying that everybody feels like shit all the time. I'm not saying everybody is suicidal and deeply depressed and and, and just an absolute mess and, and like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, but I am saying... And it's my experience for my life and, and, and the people I've seen over the 61 years of my life is it's not uncommon to not feel good. Um, for instance, how much of your life would you characterize where you just get out of bed in the morning and you feel absolute enthusiasm and passion and excitement for your day. Would you say that you feel joyful and motivated and alive? Like, do, do you live most of your life in the zone? Right? Like you're just in the zone. You're, you're in the groove. You're, and I'm not saying is is life. Is, I'm not saying are, are the circumstances and conditions of your life perfect and wonderful and just the way you want it? Because we know that hardly ever happens. Life hardly ever unfolds the way your mind says it should. Right? Circumstances. If they're ever the way you want them, you can pretty much bank that they won't stay that way for very long. Conditions, if they're the way they are, chances are it's going to, it's like, they're like the weather, right? 
it's 80 and sunny and beautiful one day and then, you know, the next day the temperature drops 30 degrees and conditions come and go. Circumstances come and go. People are the way you would like them to be and then sometimes they're not. I'm saying that even though there's that going on, at a certain level, you got people who you can love them, you can hate them, right? Um, you've got conditions that you can love or hate. You've got circumstances that you're like, oh, that's awesome, or this is horrible, right? That's just the nature of life. But in the midst of that, as that's happening for you, and you can certainly look at your life over the last 10, 20, 30 years and point, well, there's some times when things were really good and times where circumstances were awful and sometimes relationships were great and then they weren't. And right. So in the midst of that kind of ebb and flow of circumstances, would you say that even as all of that was taking place, that you lived above it in the sense that even though there was some shit going on and some weird stuff and upsetting stuff and things you, you would never have chosen and you would never like to experience, would you say that even though that was happening, in the midst of that, you were enthusiastic and joyful and full of love and playfulness and motivation and that you were in the zone would you say that? Come on now. Okay, so again, I'm not saying you or I are just suicidal and on the edge of just clinical depression and all of that. But I'm saying how much of our life um, do we really feel good? Now, here's the thing. Um I've had a number of things in my life that I have really been interested in. And, and and maybe one of the most one of the most important things that I've always been interested in, and I don't even know why, has been the area of spirituality and like the human condition. I don't know why, but from my late teenage years, I just became very interested in spirituality and relationships and emotions and God and people and religion and I guess a kind of psychology. I, I've just always been interested in the human condition. Okay. And so therefore I've devoted like the last 40 years, 45 years of my life to those subjects. And when I say devoted, I mean like the equivalent of 20 PhDs in the amount of time and effort and money that I have put in to better understand myself, the world around me from spiritual, religious, emotional perspectives. I am not kidding. It's like the equivalent of 20 PhDs in the amount of, you know, Classroom time, seminar time, workshop time, the, the, the thousands and thousands of dollars I've spent on books and programs and counseling and therapy and coaching 
and then coach training and ongoing training. Okay, I just want to get this across to you that I've spent 40 to 45 years going as deeply into these subjects as you could almost imagine. Okay, so much so that um, I've studied all the world's religions, all their their scriptures. Okay, I mean, I've studied the Bible from cover to cover. I have most of it memorized. All right, um, I've studied the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, which is the Chinese Bible. You could say it's their oldest and deepest spiritual text. I've studied the Bhagavad Gita, which is the Hindu uh, scripture. Okay, um, I've studied the the Buddhist teachings and sutras. Right, the the four noble questions, the four noble truths, the eightfold path, um, all the different branches of Buddhism. Okay, I've I've. I've I've studied all of that. I have books on my shelves on all these religions. I've even read the Quran, cover to cover. Probably that's the longest of all of them. Eh, Maybe the Bible's longer. I'm not sure. Number of words in them. But I've studied all of them. And now, you probably have heard people say that, you know, all the religions are basically the same. Well, that really is not true. Okay, they have very different views of God and how you know God and how you become connected to God. I mean, basically, Buddhism is kind of atheistic if you think of God in the way the Christians do. They, they don't believe in that kind of thing. So to say that all the religions are sort of the same just means you really haven't studied them, <laughs> to be honest with you. But when you study them, you'll see they're different. But here's the thing. There is one aspect where every one of these spiritual texts, they do say the same thing in one particular area. Maybe there's more than one, but the one I want to talk about today is they're all the same in how they describe the way life should be experienced. Okay? They all have the same message they all say this is the way life can be lived this is the way it can and should be experienced okay and what is that well they all say that life should be lived with great joy and love and peace they they all say that if you understand my teachings in whatever particular text you're reading, if you really get it, if you you really understand it, your life will be one of enthusiasm and joy and excitement and passion. You will feel alive. You will feel alive on the inside. You will be in the zone no matter what's going on around you. No matter what weirdness or what drama or what difficulty, whether it's financial, relational, medical, occupational, 
whatever, environmental, they all say that your daily moment-to-moment experience can be joyful. So the Buddhists say it's nirvana. Okay? The Hindus call it sat-chit-ananda, which is eternal conscious bliss. Okay? So the Buddhists say you can live in nirvana. And the Hindus say your life can be blissful. Now, Christianity says heaven. And here's what's weird. Okay? Yes, the Bible does talk about an afterlife of heaven or hell. Okay? And that you will end up in one of those places. But if you look closely, if you read the Bible closely, it says that you're supposed to be experiencing heaven on earth. It, it, yeah, yes, there are trials and tribulations and difficulties. But in the midst of that, the, even, even the Bible is not saying that nirvana or satchitanana or heaven is reserved for after you are dead. It's no, it's, it's right here. Jesus said the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is within you. <laughs> okay? Jesus said, if you know what I'm talking about, you'll have rivers of living water flowing from your innermost being. What does that mean? Rivers of living water. That means aliveness, life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The Apostle Paul wrote about being filled with the Spirit. These are things that don't refer to the afterlife. These are like right here, right now. You're in the kingdom. You can live in the kingdom right now. So it's the same with the Tao and the Bhagavad Gita. They all say that your day-to-day experience, you should feel good. (laughs) Now, I'm just, what I'm curious about, what I've always been interested about in in spiritual, um, spirituality and so forth is, why the fuck don't we live like that? I don't know hardly anybody that lives the way all the scriptures say that we're supposed to be able to live. I think that's a really important question. Why do they say this? And they're not saying it metaphorically. They're not speaking about an afterlife. They're saying right here, right now. You should feel good. You should be open and alive and passionate and joyful and motivated and enthusiastic and excited. Why don't we live that way? What's the deal? Okay, that... That's been a question that I've just always found fascinating. I read this stuff and I'm like, well, okay, great, but that's not what I experience. That's not what I see around me. In fact, you remember that movie, The Sixth Sense? Where the kid says, I see dead people? (laughs) You remember that movie? Such an awesome movie, by the way. You know, he says, uh, he says I see dead people. He's, he, so in other words, he's looking around, right? Um, in fact, in, 
when he says that phrase in the movie, you know, to, to Bruce Willis, you know, I see dead people, most of us forget what he said right after that because the kid said more about what he was experiencing. Okay? So in this sense, I think the kid was some sort of spiritual guru. He said, they walk around like regular people. They don't know they're dead. I see them all the time. They're everywhere. So this this little guru <laughs> is looking around. He says, man, I see dead people. They're everywhere. They don't know they're dead. I mean, do you agree with that? Okay, again, now I'm not saying... We don't have any life within us. We never feel joyful. We never feel passionate. We never feel excited. I'm just saying, if you step back and you look at your life, would you characterize it as, man, I'm in the zone pretty much all the time. You know I mean? Like, I feel good. I mean, in other words, let's go the other way. Here are some other words. You tell me. This is where you got to just be honest, okay? This is just you listening to me. You don't know what you no one knows what you're thinking or saying or feeling. You don't have to tell anybody any of this. I just want to know I'm going to give you a bunch of words here and you you tell me when you compare the list of happy, enthusiastic, excited, passionate, joyful, alive, motivated in the zone. Compare that with this list. Feeling empty. Blah. Depressed. Drained. Down. Discouraged. Depleted. Dull. Disconnected. Numb. Lethargic. Bored. Burned out. dead which which column would you say your life is mostly experienced as am i am i being too dramatic here am i am i being too cynical and too negative or is it true that look around i see dead people I see people who are like numb and lethargic and blah and depressed and depleted and disconnected and sort of feeling empty. and Or is it just me? I spend, I spend way more of my life feeling that way than I would like to admit. So look around. I think you'll see people feeling empty without a relationship. You'll see people who are significantly overweight or chronically sick. You'll see people medicating their pain. You'll see people needing substances to feel high. You'll see people needing massages because their bodies are all locked up. You'll see people taking pills 
in order to get to sleep. You'll see people sort of um, obsessively attending workshops to find something they think they're lacking. You'll see them going on medicine journeys all the time to realize something. You'll see people who can't go more than five minutes without some form of digital stimulation. Why do we do this? Seriously. Every time we grab for our phone and we go to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or we start scrolling, man, if you stop right beforehand, there's, there's something that doesn't feel good in you and you you need to be stimulated. You need to see something. You might need to see some drama going on or see some comments on this or that. Or Why do we need to get likes of things we post? Is that because we feel good on the inside? You see, I guess I want you to step back and take an honest look at what's, what's sort of going on around us. Am I being too dark if I say things like, many of us, we need some, some caffeine or something to get us going in the morning? We might need a Xanax or a Prozac to get through the day. And then maybe a couple of drinks or some pills to kind of take the edge off in the evening and go to sleep. Am I being too dramatic? Or am I describing that if we're really honest as human beings, we don't feel so good? Yeah, we have moments, of course. But I'm talking about the general feeling tone of our lives. Do we feel, feel filled with love and joy and peace? Do we feel alive? Or is most of everything we do all day trying to make us feel alive? Like what if you sat in a room by yourself for one hour and you had nothing other than your own company. No TV, no phone, no computer, no internet, no social media, no books, no magazines. Just imagine sitting in a room with no windows, four walls, and a cushion, and you're just sitting there for one hour by yourself, no music, no nothing. Would you feel good? Would you feel bliss? Would that be nirvana? Would that be the kingdom of God? You see, so many things that we do are because we're seeking to feel alive. I forget who it was that said, in fact, I believe it's here in my book. Let me just flip a page. Um, I believe 
I think this is a really important quote. I don't know if I can find it here. Pardon the noise, but you know, I don't edit these. I don't edit these podcasts. I'm just with you and talking with you. Um, yeah, Joseph Campbell. He said, I do not believe people are looking for the meaning of life as much as they are looking for the experience of being alive. Looking for the experience of being alive. Why would we be looking for experiences to make us feel alive? The only reason would be is because we don't feel alive normally. It's not our normal set point. So we're looking for experiences to be alive. Now, that, that should make you wonder. Like, what's, what is that about? See, now, without judgment, don't judge yourself. Don't, there's none of that. that that's not useful. But it's just like, okay, all the spiritual masters, all the spiritual books, they all say that, you know, the kingdom of God is within. I mean, it's here. It's now. How come I don't feel like I'm living in this kingdom? You know, just within myself. Like, isn't that a question that sort of, that you wonder about? It is for me. It really is for me. The dichotomy between what they say life can be lived like and what I live like and what I see everybody else living like is like, I see dead people. I don't see alive people. I don't see people feeling good most of the time. I see people who don't feel good. They feel like something's lacking or missing and they are seeking and chasing and trying to find something, a find the right person, the right workshop, the the right job, the right outfit, the right car, the right house. I I see us humans as being seekers. But you won't find these mystical people in the scriptures being seekers. They are finders. <laughs> they have found it. And so they report that there's an aliveness that's here, that it's Sat Chit Ananda, that it's Nirvana, that it's right here. There are rivers of living water flowing right, right from me and that you can have it too. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to get really practical about this idea of why don't I feel good? And maybe we should turn it around. How, how, how can you feel good? <laughs> okay. Um, and I admit that this is a topic that is huge. Okay. And what I'm going to share with you is by no means the complete absolute truth that nothing more can be said on the topic. But I do want to give you some very practical things that are happening if you don't feel good. Because what I'm going to suggest is like the scriptures, all the scriptures teach, that we're supposed to feel good. The aliveness is there. The zone is there. We're supposed to be in it, but we're not. And so it's a little bit like the sun shining. The sun's always shining, but sometimes we turn away from it or it's blocked by clouds. Okay? So I'm going to suggest 
that the reason we don't feel good is because we're blocking the spirit. Or as the Chinese called it, the chi. Or the Hindus call it shakti. The life force, the aliveness. All these religions have a different word for it, right? The Christians use spirit. Spirit, chi, shakti, life force, aliveness. Pick your word. I don't care. But they're saying that there's an inner energy that should be running in us that 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 makes us feel good that right that makes us feel open and love and connected and no matter what's happening around us but it's being blocked so i just want to suggest to you some very practical things that you can look at and use them to answer the question, why don't I feel good? I'm suggesting it's one of seven things, or maybe a bunch of them. Okay? And these are things that I do all the time. When I do these seven things, I feel like shit. I feel like one of those dead people. When I don't do these things, I feel good. It's a little bit like, a, imagine a water faucet, right? The, 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 and the faucet, the water is the chi, the shakti, the spirit, the aliveness. It's, it wants to flow. So when you open, you know, when you, when you open the faucet, it pours out, right? And, and you're filled with the spirit, okay? Um, if you turn off the faucet, you block it. It won't flow. And so you don't feel filled with the spirit. You don't feel the aliveness, the life force moving in you. So I'm just saying that it's not like you do these things one time or you look at them one time. It's like you can fall into any of these things moment to moment and hopefully temporarily block your flow. And make yourself not feel good. So this is a moment-to-moment thing. And these are seven areas to pay attention to. Seven ways in which you keep yourself from feeling good. Okay? So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on them. Um, what I will say is if you want to read more deeply on all seven, get my newest book, Relationship Boot Camp. Because I spend a ton of time on each of those seven things. Okay? Because... When you feel good, then you're going to be able to attract lasting love, right? When, when you're feeling alive and happy and enthusiastic, you know, you're going to attract better dynamics. When you're feeling down and dr- depressed and blah and empty and lifeless and, and all of that, and you feel sort of bored and dead on the inside, then your love life is, is going to be terrible, Okay, it's just, your experience of life would be terrible and your love life would be terrible. So let me just jump in here, okay? Um, so here's the first thing that we do that keeps us from feeling good. We have unaccepted reality. <laughs> unaccepted reality. Every one of the seven things is going to be an unword. Just I think it might make it more memorable. But there's unaccepted reality. I mean, life unfolds a certain way. It's right in front of you. 
Life is the way it is in this moment. People are doing what they're doing. Circumstances and conditions are a certain way. How are you relating with that? Are you not accepting it and resisting it and fighting it and arguing with it? You're not going to feel good. You're going to lose the battle with reality all the time. <laughs> Life doesn't care what you necessarily want. Life is unfolding the way it is. You know, what's, what's like the weather. The weather doesn't care if you want it to be sunny today or not. It doesn't, doesn't care if you're playing golf or whether you want to take a walk with your new boyfriend or if you are getting married in an outdoor cathedral. It, it, it doesn't care. The weather is the weather. Now, when you fight it and you argue with it and you resist it and you don't accept it, you feel like shit. But it doesn't change the weather. It doesn't change any circumstance. You're just miserable. <laughs> right? It's so obvious. How do you be happy? Simply love what is. Love what is. Accept what is. Embrace life as it is. Now, the Christians have a verse for that. It's in the, in the book of Psalms. Right? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day, this circumstance, this condition, this is it. This is, this is the day, this is the moment, this is the situation the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Now, you can be upset and angry about it, and you'll just be miserable. Krishnamurti, a great Indian teacher, once summarized his enlightenment to people and said, you know, I just don't mind what happens. <laughs> Can you see how he'd always feel good if he just didn't mind whatever was happening is what's happening. It took 13, you know, 13.8 billion years for life to evolve and all the forces of the universe to interact with each other for all those billions of years to make this moment and that person standing in front of you or that circumstance or that condition all the events in the universe, the chemistry, the biology, the psychology, the physics, all of it had to kind of get together to make this moment the way it is. And you're going to argue with it. Well, fine. You're going to be miserable. But if you accept it, if you don't mind what's happening, you feel good. Okay? Now, that, of course, doesn't mean you don't work with reality to interact with it. But you can start from, I don't mind what's happening. I'm not in an argument with reality. I am not unaccepting reality. Do you do that? Or I should better put, how many times a day do you do that? <laughs> a hundred Every time you complain about anything, what is a complaint? I do not accept reality. You complain about traffic? You complain about the way your boyfriend interacts with you? Do you complain about online dating? Do you complain about your work or your friends or your kids? You're just making yourself feel bad. You're joining the ranks of the dead people. When you do that, and I do that, 
So just notice that that's the first one, unaccepting reality. Number two, unowned responsibility. Doing that will make you feel terrible. It will not make you feel good. When you are not taking responsibility for what's occurring, when you are blaming, when you're finger pointing, when you're not taking ownership of what's happening, when you're going through life thinking that life happens to me, why are they doing this to me? Why is life doing this to me? Why is God doing this to me? Why did my parents do this to me? Why is my boss doing this to me? Why is my body doing this to me? Why is my finances doing this to me? When, when you're in a place where you do not see yourself as the creator of your experience, when you are not taking responsibility for your part in creating the body that you have, the finances that you have, the love life that you have, when you are just pointing the finger and blaming everybody else, you're just not going to feel good. I'm telling you, blame, sometimes on one level, it can feel a kind of an adrenaline rush to blame someone for what they did to you or to complain about something to your friends you know, and kind of play the victim. In a way, it can kind of feel good for a second, but it's it's sort of darkening your energy to be in this place where you feel like you are a victim, like you're at the effect of something. Instead of saying, how can I own this? How can I take responsibility? What can I learn from it? What solution can I find? Right? So when you're a victim, you're disempowered. You're like, I, I'm... I, I didn't do this. I have no part in this. This is just happening to me. As if you're a, a, a powerless person, like you have no agency, no responsibility. But when you shift and you say, no, um, I'm, I'm going to take ownership for my life and my choices and my decisions. And I want to be curious about what I might be missing or what I'm unconsciously doing to create the life that I'm experiencing. That's empowering because if you play a part in making life the way it is, then that means you can play a part in making it the way you want it to be. And when you're creating, when you feel like you're the author of your life, that makes you feel good, right? But victims don't feel good. You, okay? So that's the second one. Number three, Do you have unquestioned thoughts? Have you noticed, and I've talked about this before, that you've got a neurotic nut job that lives in your head? Have you noticed that? That that your mind is filled with crazy stories and interpretations and judgments and bias and opinions and it, it makes up things to try to explain the unknown. Like that... That voice in your head is like Michael Singer calls it your inner roommate. It's like you've got somebody that lives inside of you that follows you everywhere you go and it's talking to you and it's giving you bad advice and you have these thoughts and these beliefs and these assumptions and if you don't question them, if, if you don't argue with that voice in your head, if you're not saying, is that true? You're going to die alone. 
nobody loves you. Is that true? How do you know that's true? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? I'm going to die alone. How, do you know the future? Oh, they're not, they're not texting you back because they're not into you. you know, Or they're not texting you back. You see, you shouldn't have had sex with them so soon. Now they're going to dump you. So when you believe that voice in your head, when you do not question your beliefs, I mean all of them, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, your beliefs about yourself, I'm unlovable, I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy, I'm undeserving. So you, you, your, your mind, that voice in your head is, is like one giant belief. It's got beliefs about everything. It's got opinions about everything. You need to question them if you want to feel good. Because if you listen to that nonsense in your head, you're not going to feel very good. Unquestioned thoughts are what create all war and all drama. Putin right now is, you know, about a month into attacking Ukraine. I'm recording this at the end of March. He's believing certain thoughts about what is his and what isn't. And that he has a right to take countries and, right, he... He has thoughts and he's listening to those thoughts and he's acting on them and he's creating drama and destruction and despair. You are Putin. I am Putin. We just might be doing it on a smaller scale. But we have beliefs about what is right and what is ours and what we deserve and what we should claim and and who we are and who other people are and why this is happening and why that's happening. We have, we have theories coming out of our ass. We have beliefs and assumptions and expectations. And if we listen to that nonsense, we are going to create war, destruction, despair. Have you noticed that? Oh my God, have I noticed that? Every time I have a thought and I don't question it and I don't say, is that true? Can I absolutely know that that's true? If you have unquestioned thoughts, you are not going to feel good. And, And frankly, nor is anybody else around you. Okay. All right. Number four, unfelt feelings. Now, part two in this series was all about feelings. Repressed feelings, feelings we've disowned. Well, once we, once we have access to all the keys on the piano, then we still have a choice as to whether we are going to feel that feeling or whether we're just going to try to avoid it. Deny it, medicate it, distract ourselves from it, analyze it, figure it out, spiritualize it, justify it. I mean, there's... I think in my book I list 10 different ways that we avoid feelings. Okay? So it's one thing to have access to all your feelings. It's another thing to actually feel them and not turn away from them and run away from them or re-suppress them or repress them again. Sometimes feelings come up and we just push them right back down. Nope, 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 nope. Don't want to feel that. Nope, 
I'm going to go, I'm going to go work out at the gym. I'm going to go have a six pack. I'm going to go masturbate. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to go gamble. I'm going to call up a friend on the phone and just, yep, 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 yep. Anything to keep me from feeling that. I got to get away from this. These are unfelt feelings. You do that, you bury that stuff, you're not going to feel good. Number five, if you have an unfinished past, oh my God, who doesn't? Right? We all familiar with this, this idea of having baggage, unfinished emotional pain from the past. It's kind of stuck in us. And then life comes along and pushes our buttons. What does it mean to have your buttons pushed? It means there's something in you from the past that's painful. It's still there, but it's sort of dormant. It's sort of just laying there until someone or something comes along and pokes it, pushes that button. And then here comes your anger, your sadness, your wrath, your hatred, your you get triggered. What does it mean to get triggered? That means there's something in you that if you put a flame to it, it explodes. It it catches on fire. It burns. It it's pulling the trigger. You, if there are no bullets in the gun, if you pull the trigger, nothing happens. And if there's Nothing inside you, no pain from the past that's unfinished. When someone pulls the trigger or pushes the button, nothing happens because there's nothing in there. But if somebody pushes a button or pulls a trigger and there's a, there's a reaction, no shame, but that just means there's some unfinished things from the past in you. And when you have the the past left in you and it's unfinished, it's alive in you, you're not going to feel good. There's that pain in you. There's the resentment. There's the bitterness. There's the hurt. We've talked about this. It makes you guarded in relationships. It makes you suspicious. It makes you put walls around yourself because you don't want to get hurt again. So one of the biggest things you can do if you want to feel good is deal with your past pain. Feel it, be with it, work it through, let it release. You can really release the past to where when those buttons get pushed over time, you'll notice less and less reaction. The, the, the trigger gets pulled and the bullet comes out of the gun slower and slower, I guess you could say. <laughs> I don't know how to make that analogy work. But you can really get to the point where your buttons, you know, like in a, a vending machine, you, you press certain buttons on the machine and it sends out um, a certain, you know, candy or cracker package or something like that. Um, it only works if the buttons have wires connecting them to the machine and the crackers and the candies. If you disconnect the wires behind the button, 
if you, you can push the button all day long and nothing's going to come out. Right? So you can think of it that way, that working with your past, you disconnect the wires that when you get a button pushed, it's like no reaction. Or you can think of it as you open up the vending machine and take all the crackers and stuff out. And then you put money in and push the buttons. You push the buttons, but nothing's coming out of the machine. (laughs) Right? There is a way to do the work on yourself to where your past is finished. You still remember things that happened to you. It's not about having a lobotomy. Right? You remember, but the past is then something that just happened. It's not something that's happening. But for most of us, the past is happening. It's alive in us. It's still here. And it wreaks havoc in our lives. Okay, so this is what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body, by the way. If some of you ever read Eckhart, which you should, he's great. If you listen to Michael Singer, he calls them samskaras. That's the Hindu word for this past emotional pain that is waiting within us to get triggered. And we get reactive. And then when we're triggered and reactive, we make all kinds of drama in our lives and so forth. So if you want to feel good, you need to, to not unaccept reality or unown responsibility or unquestioned thoughts or unfelt feelings. You need to accept reality own responsibility. Question your thoughts. Feel your feelings. Finish the past. It's one of the, if there's one expertise I have with clients, it's how to let go of your past. If you've, if you've been hurt, if you've been betrayed, ghosted, gaslighted, lied to, deceived, if you've, if you've gone through some trauma, if you've been through some really crappy things, in your past, whether they're your childhood or some past relationships and marriages and things like that, and you know that it's that it's affecting you, you have trust issues, it's hard for you to open up, um, you, you feel kind of resistant or closed, um, man, you got to work with me. I, I can really help you with that, okay? The sixth thing is unsaid truth. Oh my God, one of the best ways to make yourself not feel good is to withhold things, to not speak up, whether it's asking for what you want or speaking a feeling or having a conversation that you know you need to have. We have these unsaid truths. We withhold from people. We're afraid of their reaction. We're afraid of hurting their feelings. But here's the thing. When you withhold, you will withdraw. They go together. If somebody does something, says something that kind of hurts your feelings and it upsets you and you just brush it off and you, 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 don't, you don't bring it up, you, you, have, an, you have something that's unsaid. And you're going to find yourself, every time you see that person, you're going to feel that little glitch. Oh, they said that to me. Oh, they did that to me. And you're going to find distance forming between you and that person. 
It's just going to be something that's between you. This is one of the biggest things that ruins relationships, things that aren't said. Because we're afraid of being judged or made fun of or we're afraid of getting dumped or we're afraid of just causing drama or someone getting mad at us. But when we withhold and we have unsaid truths, the damage might not be as bad in the immediate moment, but you are killing your relationship. It might die a slow death, right? Most of us, we withhold things because it makes us feel better right now because it might be a difficult conversation. They might not receive what I have to say very well. It might get ugly and I want to feel good, so I'm not going to say it right now. Okay, so you might feel good for a second, although you will feel bad just because you know you're withholding something. It won't feel right in you. It's an integrity uh, glitch. But over time, it's going to destroy your relationship. You ever hear people say they break up because they've just grown apart? You know what that always means? We stopped telling each other the truth a long time ago. And it's there's so much resentments and glitches built up that we feel like we're miles apart. Because when you withhold, you will, you will withdraw. Right? So that's one reason why you don't feel good. And then lastly, you don't feel good sometimes because you have unkept agreements. You said you would do something, you didn't do it. Whether it's a big thing or a little thing. It's an integrity glitch again. It's like I said that I would call them tomorrow and I didn't do it. Or I said I would not do something. And I did it. A friend asked me to keep something confidential. And I told my other friend. You're not going to feel good. Your conscience is going to get bothered. So unkept agreements, unclear agreements, um, breaking agreements is a sure way. That's why we don't feel good. Because we're not impeccable with our word. And we don't go back and clean up broken agreements. We don't go back to our friend and say, you know what? You asked me not to tell anyone and I did. I just want to take ownership of that. If you don't want to be friends with me because of I would understand. It would break my heart, but I get it. But I don't want to keep that secret from you. I broke an agreement. If, if our relationship is going to continue, I promise you I will not break another agreement with us. You follow me? So here you go. Why don't we feel good? Could it be that we have unkept agreements? Could it be that we have unsaid truths? Could it be that we have an unfinished past? Could it be that we have unfelt feelings? Could it be that we have unquestioned thoughts? Could it be that we have unowned responsibility? And could it be that we have unaccepted reality? Those are seven very practical things that you can 
look at. This can be a checklist. I would suggest if you want to live, if you want to feel good and you want to live a great life, you want a quantum leap forward, then once a week, maybe on Sunday night before you start your work week, you take out this as a checklist and you look back on your week and you say, where did I unaccept reality? And then you shift. Where did I disown responsibility and blame? And you fix that. Where did you not feel a feeling or what is alive in your past or what agreements did you not keep or what things have you not said? Right? It's like you have a checklist on how to feel good. And again, this isn't the end of the discussion on how to feel good as a human being. This is not all you need to know. I'm not saying it that way. But I am saying this is a simple little, like if you do these seven things, man, if you accept reality and you take ownership of, of your results, you question your thoughts and you feel your feelings and you finish your past and you speak your truth and you keep your agreements, oh my God, you're going to be doing pretty damn good. I don't, I don't know if there'll be much else to do. So I'm suggesting that once a week or maybe once a month, you do an inventory. You get real honest with yourself. Where am I with this? This is my checklist on how to feel good. If I want to feel good. I mean, if I want to be a dead person, like the little kid in the sixth sense, if I want to just be walking around and I don't even know that I'm dead. You know, if, if I don't mind feeling empty or blah, or dull or disconnected or numb or lethargic or bored or burned out or depressed or drained. If you don't mind that, then ignore this. But if you want to feel enthusiasm and alive and excited and passionate and motivated and sort of in the zone, then pay attention to these seven areas. And I think you will discover nirvana i think you'll discover sat chit ananda i think you'll discover heaven on earth all right i'll see you next time we'll talk about the fourth quantum question for life and love bye-bye you've been listening to attracting lasting love with roy biancalana be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and while you're at it please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.